You've all heard the saying, there is no I in team. Well, that's partly correct. But we each bring a unique perspective and experience when working as a team. So it can be viewed as a collective group of eyes that work together to build a team of success. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to get it just right. With host Dr. Cass Henry. In today's program, we'll uncover the tools of team success in order to achieve winning results. Now, here is Dr. Cass Henry. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. I'm Dr. Cass Henry, and I'm very excited to share another hour with you. As we always keep saying, Goldilocks optimizes balance. It is all about finding that harmony in everything we do, everything about life. Not being too hot, not being too cold, not being too aggressive, not being too timid. Where is that sweet spot and how do we go about accomplishing what we need to so that we do things just right? Keeping along that theme this week, we pick up our conversation of doing things just right with our basic need of public safety and why it's important to our families as well as our homes. Last week, we explored how home ownership is important to each of us because our stories start at home and that's where each of us build our life, our love and our dreams. A home of such immense personal importance is one of the most expensive investments most of us are going to make in our lifetime. Therefore, preserving and protecting that investment is a vital aspect of our personal and financial empowerment journey. How many of us stop to think that the quality of the public school system, public safety, and the environmental quality are the indicators that directly impact the value of our home investments? Anything we do as homeowners to improve these factors, education, public safety, and environmental quality, will only make our investment appreciate in value as other people see how well our community is doing and want to come and live in our community and home, own homes in our community. Maslow's hierarchy of needs illustrate to us that the psychological and safety needs are very essential for our basic survival needs, which makes public safety a foundation for the very human existence. If public safety is this fundamental to us, I want us to make sure we take a day and talk about it as part of our conversation. Because after all, the show is about getting things just right as we pursue our personal and financial empowerment journeys. To have this conversation with me today, I have an experienced community leader and public servant who has grown through the ranks of public safety profession. David Kilgenberg has been a member of the Burbank Fire Department since June of 1991 and has risen up the ranks to become the chief. He lives in the community and serves the community with the passion he brings to every aspect of his life. And he lives in the same community he serves with his lovely wife and two kids. Chief Gilkenberg, we have welcome to the show. Hi, Cass. Thank you for having me. Welcome. 
We have known each other for a while, and our relationship has started originally as professor and student, but we have evolved to a partnership in shaping our communities we serve. So I'm so excited to have you on the show, especially this episode that we are going to be talking about. Public safety is your self-interest. Do not settle for less. So we want to make sure our audience understand the message is their public safety is also not just the home and family safety. It is also a financial safety net to appreciate the value of the home. So, David, I want to open our conversation with um, having you tell the audience what was important for you in choosing this as a profession and briefly share your story so that you can paint a picture to the backdrop of the purpose with which you entered the field. Well, with me, it was pretty natural. Um, mm-hmm. My father was a fireman for 38 years, and so wow. I, I literally grew, grew up in the firehouse. Okay. Um, I, would, I would go to the firehouse on the weekends and, and spend time with him and the guys at the firehouse and and. I'd even spend the night there sometimes. So one of my jobs was to open up the, the bay doors for the rigs when they'd go on a fire call, and then I'd sit there and wait and until they come back, and then I'd open up the doors again and find out what they did. And occasionally I'd stow away in his captain's car and go with on a call, and he'd tell me, stay down behind the seat, and I never did. I would <laughs> I would pop up and look out the window, and, and it just it was just so amazing to see these guys running into these burning buildings. It's just, I could still see it vividly watching these guys and my dad go into these burning buildings when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. It was, I mean, that's, it made it pretty easy for me. So I was born into a public safety family and it's, it's who I am. It's, it's what I wanted to do. And and he didn't even push for it really. It's just uh, something I just wanted to do. What what a beautiful story. And as a kid, every little boy wants to drive those big vehicles, whether it's a fire engine, an ambulance, a dump truck. Those big vehicles hold such an enormous amount of appreciation. And the fact that you actually grow up and it grew up with it and it is in your blood may truly makes it a natural fit. I can see where you're coming from, and I'm sure the audience can understand why growing up in that environment becomes such a natural fit. Now, it is also true that firefighters are one of those rare human beings who always run into burning buildings when the natural instinct for everybody is to run out of it. You defy all instincts, and you drive slowly, solely based on your mission to save lives of other people. Sometimes people you don't even know and you don't think of it as saving other people's lives. Uh, Tell us what propels you to do that and what is the psychological framework that uh, enables you to do that? Well, it's, it'll sound cliche, Cass, but um, Mm -hmm. we simply want to help people. Um, Most firefighters, first responders, um, that, you know, police officers, we all want to help people. That's the kind of people we are. We're servants and, and we want to, we, we want to make sure we're there to help people. And, um, when you decide on a job in the fire service, it, it, you, mm-hmm. you just stamp it into your heart and your mind that you're going to do everything in your existence to save somebody in need of saving, um, and it's, it's a real easy thing to do when, you, when you're young because it's exciting and you want to just you wanna, you know, jump on that big fire truck like you just described and run into a burning building and try to save somebody. Um, again, it's easy when you're not living for somebody else like when I was a kid. But then you get married 
And then you have kids, Mm -hmm. and you think, uh, wow, how am I going to do this? Well, actually having a family makes you want to do it even more, because although they're in the back of my head and and all these these firefighters, paramedics, and police officers, they're, they're always thinking about their family, but we really have an appreciation for life once you're responsible for life in your own family. So mm-hmm. it, it makes you really think about your children, and, and it, it's, you're, you're willing to make that sacrifice to help somebody because you know how precious life is, and that's why you chose this job. And if, mm-hmm. if you chose this job for something other than that, then you're going to get weeded out pretty quick because then you won't rush into that burning building and then you won't last in this this job very long i know i know and it is a job that has a a 24-hour shift so you are with the crew you are working from fire to fire emergency to emergency and you don't get to say i'm tired i want a break because you are there and you also hope that when your family needs help somebody else will be there for them so I can see where, where that passion and compassion both together can coexist to help serve the community. And before we continue, I just want to take a moment and thank you and all public safety professionals out there, police and fire, for the services you provide. And a lot of times it feels like it's a thankless job. But just know that we, the civilians, very, very much appreciate what you do on behalf of all of us. Well, thank you, and and I honestly, I do know, I do recognize that, and and most of us are very humble about that. We don't accept compliments very well. We do what we do because that's what we want to do. And but I mm-hmm. but I do recognize and thank you for that. Thank you. Yes, thank you. I remember when we were having our public safety classes, and you would all come from the firehouse after a 24-hour shift into the classroom. Some of you were up all night fighting big. Uh, high-rise of fires, people died in your arms, but you don't get to say, I had a bad day, I can't be in class, because you're equally committed to your education and committed to using that education to improve your profession. What goes through your mind and what kind of support helps you deal with those extreme emotional stress and loss of life and still continue because you are forced to look at glass half full all the time, and it does take a toll. Um, well, it, it starts right there after the scene. Um, we have what's called critical incident stress debriefing, or CISD, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a peer support group, and it really comes from the your supervisors, your managers must take action and recognize that hey, these guys just seen something terrible, whether it's a bad house fire where people die or a car accident. I mean we we all watch the news, there's bad things. Mm-hmm. So um first responders are they're really tough and, and they try to be tough and not admit when they need help, but it's it's our jobs as managers, um and even at the firefighter level to say, Hey, we gotta get some somebody in here to talk to these guys whether they like it or not and, and you gotta have policies in place to make sure that these guys get the help they need again, because this stuff will come out later on. It's a it it is very common. Um and again these guys are tough and they don't want to admit it, but you, you really gotta you gotta drive that home that you're gonna you're gonna get this critical incident stress debriefing and, and, and get some support before something bad happens. Yes, yes. And I know from practice and experience with this population for almost 20 years that guys is a gender neutral word for guys and gals in the yeah, fire department. Yeah, yeah. And how do you guys 
see the community helping in terms of shaping rules and public policy and things like that to build a supportive environment? Um, well, first off, it, I'm very lucky in my city of Burbank. We, I see support from them constantly. I, I see it all the time. Um, they're always supporting our local charities. They're, they're always thanking us just like you did a moment ago for what we do. Um, but that didn't come from anywhere but, but for us creating that back before I was a fireman. I, you have to give to get from the community. And that just mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we go on a call and we go put a fire out or we take you to the hospital. That's not the giving I'm talking about. You, you really got to be involved. Um, I, I call it a, on a simple level that I tell my guys, make sure you don't have any missed opportunities to leave a positive impression on, on your community. And that's as okay. simple as a kid's walking by the firehouse with his mom or dad, and he's, they're always looking at the big trucks. And uh-huh. so I would say, hey, you guys, why don't, why don't you come on in here? Let me, you want to see the fire truck? And we always have hats and coloring books and crayons around, and, and our doors are open if we see somebody. Make sure they come inside. Show them the fire engine. Um, give them mm-hmm. a tour. And, and again... This is how you start building your, your support. These kids that you make this good impression on right now, that simple little tour, they're going to be the ones that support us later on when they grow up. So you, it really has to have started a long time ago. If it didn't, start it now and just keep maintaining it and don't have missed opportunities and, and leave mm-hmm. a positive impression. So like any other profession, it's about nurturing and building to last and get the community engaged so that it public safety becomes a shared journey and then you engage in prevention as well as uh, risk mitigation. That is that that is a good, good illustrative example. And let's pick up this conversation as soon as we get back from this break. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook that's kashenry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, Please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks 
how to get it just right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Henry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Unleash in a Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. You are joining me and my guest, uh, Chief Gilgenberg, for our continued conversation on public safety. Hey, David, welcome back to the show. Hello, Kiss. Thank you for having me. Uh, your families do not choose your profession, but they have accepted the way of life and take on the risk. Right, the graciousness of sharing the community and keeping the faith and acting with courage, knowing day to day that you're going to come home to them and you're going to be okay, and that is a huge stress and a burden for the spouses. Whether the person in the fire department is male or female, their spouse on the other end has to deal with the family and take care of the family because you're gone 24 hours at a time. So, yeah, yeah, how, how do the spouses deal with it, and what makes it work because it's a high risk marriage too, as much as the profession is risky. Yeah, well, that's that's a that's a great point. And honestly, we can't do what we do without the support of our families. And hopefully, you communicate just like we have to communicate, you know, at work and as a leader. You you have to communicate at home uh, even more so. Um, because if you don't communicate at home, unfortunately, in this profession, there's there's a high instance of alcoholism and divorce, and so you really got to fight against these things because of stress. So, well, to give you an example, some people um, just come home after that shift, and and they'll just space out and they'll think about what happened, and they might get to ignoring their kids, and then you know they they snap out of it, uh, and then mm-hmm. most times we we just want to get home and hug our kids and our wives. Or our families and, and tell them we love them, and then mm-hmm. more frequently than not, than not is we we just leave it at work, uh, which is probably what most of us do, um, and and just try not to bring the bad things that we had happen at work, at home, so we can just enjoy our family and take a break from it. But but we do carry a lot of what we do every day, mm-hmm. and it gets imprinted on us. But uh, you know, you just gotta. You got to make sure you communicate and and be lucky enough to have a family that supports you. I know, and choosing the right partner and building the right foundation becomes so critical because I have watched so many marriages that have crumbled because it couldn't take the strain of all of the turmoil. But the interesting part is that now, as a fire chief, you've gone through this. You've served your community, you've stayed in the same fire department, you're married, you're with kids, and now as a fire chief, you're beginning to shape your organization to lead the mission to continue to serve your community. What are some of the key leadership skills that are important to you in serving, and how do you see that uh, come to life in the way you run your department and mentor the younger up-and-coming professionals in your organization to serve? Uh, great, great question. Um, as I just stated, you have to communicate and, and you have to let them know uh, what you want and you can't make assumptions. So uh, for me, I communicate to my firefighters uh, that we will all times be positive, friendly, compassionate when dealing with the public. Um, mm-hmm. That's it first and foremost. And then for me, I 
I try to start with having empathy. And, and what I mean by empathy is, is to know what people are thinking and what kind of people they are or what cultures they are or classes of people and try to understand them. Because I can't understand what they're thinking or how to get through to them. Now, this is, you know, firefighters or people in the community, if I don't mm-hmm. understand them. That's true. Mm-hmm. And, so and, and understanding you know, that goes along with... Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that goes along, like I said, with your family as well. You have to understand Mm -hmm. what your wife's thinking and how she works. And and then that's, it's it's all communicating and trying to understand them. And and, then that's where I start. And you made a good point about understanding where the community is coming from and the makeup of the community and the cultural diversity of the community. Burbank is a south suburb of Chicago. So there are a lot of different ethnic groups with language skills and uh, life experience and immigrant experiences are in the community. And understanding where they're coming from is so important, especially when you go to an emergency situation because people revert to their natural instinctive positions. Like when I have a dream and scream or when something happens, I naturally revert to my cultural behaviors, right? I probably won't even speak in English. So how do you deal with that? Well, again, you have to know what Mm -hmm. your community is made up, and then you won't be surprised, and it won't be anything to deal with at all because you you work it out ahead of time, and you make sure that Mm -hmm. your your, your firefighters, your personnel, understand that as well. Um, And you have already built in that relationship because you're serving in that community and you're building the relationship, as you had mentioned earlier. That is a very, very important point, and thank you. Thank you for making that obvious to me and the audience. Now, as... You evolve over the course of your professional career, both through service and through pursuit of your professional education to better your services. What have you learned about yourself and how have you seen yourself evolve? Because you don't go through this without changing. You've transformed over the course of the career and each incident changes you. Absolutely, and, and and I have to keep changing, or I'll get stale, mm-hmm. stagnant, and unimportant. Uh, but I have there's a I have a story that really is an aha moment for me. Um, uh-huh. Many years Go ago, ahead. I had a, a I had a fire chief. Uh, my fire chief at the time sat me down in his office and said, uh, "You know, you're doing a good job, but you know, I, I see Dave Gilgenberg. I see Dave doing a lot of things for Dave and not for the organization." and I'd like to see you doing more things for the department and not yourself. And I was a cocky young lad. And for once, I, I just shut my mouth and I had a real moment of clarity. And, and I says, wow, that really hit home. And, and from that moment on, I absolutely put effort into benefiting and helping the organization, the members, the community. Um, Again, I, I don't think I was being selfish. I think I was just being immature and lacked experience. And when, when he said mm-hmm. this, it, it really hit home, and, and it stayed with me to this day I, throughout my career. You know, I, I, I constantly think, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? And, and just really trying to reflect uh, inward and make sure I'm not doing it for the wrong reasons and I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And that is a very valuable lesson you point out because we all, over the course of our lives, have had certain turning points where somebody has stepped on our shoulder and said, can you look what you're doing? Can you look where you're headed, right? And then yeah. force us to look at our blind spots because we are either too busy uh 
too focused on something other than what we need to focus or we're preoccupied. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Stay, stay focused and, and just do the right mm-hmm. thing for the right reasons. And so you have seen as you changed and become more aware and focus on making it about the organization and the community you serve, you have seen your ability to evoke public trust grow. How has that happened? How have you seen that happen? Because for you to be successful as a chief, you need other people to be willing to hand over the trust to you, right? It's not easy. Yeah, and and you have to get them on board to do that. And you know, mm-hmm. another quick story is, is I, I honestly believe when I'm looking at my department or any department that who's important in that department, which is everybody, and, and how do you get them to believe you? So I, I told a group of my younger guys not too long ago, you know, hey, you guys are the, the, the lowest ranked, you know, guys. You're the firefighter paramedics. Um, your position is actually the most important in this organization, and they looked at me a little mm-hmm. funny, and I said, um, everything I do as chief, and as my battalion chiefs do, and my lieutenants and the engineers, everything we do is to support the guy inside that building putting the, the, the water on the fire, the guy pulling the bale on the nozzle. So he's mm-hmm. the, the lowest-ranking member, but everything that we do is to make sure that he can do his job. So, I mean, I try to get them to understand that you, you are important to me, you're important to our mission, and, and you got to make sure everybody understands that, that they're important. And that doesn't take away from my officers and, and, and the chief position. I, of course, if I don't do my job, they can't do theirs. But I just it's real important to make sure that everybody at every level understands how important they are and our mm-hmm. mission, our goals, they won't get accomplished unless unless they're there and they do their job correctly. Very, very true. And thank you for sharing that. Uh, we have a caller on the line, so I'm going to go ahead and take the caller. Lev? Lev from Illinois? Yes, yes. Thank you for Welcome taking my call. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Hi, Liz. Yes. Hello. Um, okay, so I, I just have a quick question. Um, you know, with this world being as crazy as it is with, you know, the different weather um, happenings and with, you know, talks of, you know, of war, what is the best way to prepare my family and my pets, um, you know, in case of a disaster? Are you talking about a natural disaster, man-made disaster either? Um, I'm, I'm talking about it all, yes. Okay, okay. That's that's a that's a good question, and that, you know September is National Preparedness Awareness uh, Month, so mm-hmm. this this actually will work. Um, the best resource that anybody can do is to go to www.ready.gov, r-e-a-d-y.gov, and it is a it's a preparedness website by the government that gives you lists of things you need. Um, and it really doesn't matter what the disaster is. Um, you should prepare for them all, um, whether it's a flood, whether it's a power outage, whether, you know, whatever it is, you need to have basic needs. You need water. You need food. You need um, medication. And I, I don't want to go into the, you know, the the being really worried and having weapons and all that. You stick with your basic needs, and, and, and that's food, water, medication. Make sure you got food for your pets. I heard you said you were worried about your pets. 
Um, and really, you should always be prepared. It's not about being a prepper or anything like that, doomsday. It's about being vigilant in your own preparedness, your own public safety, and taking responsibility for yourself. Because when a disaster does happen, your resources, your local public resources, your emergency services, they're going to be exhausted immediately. If you think about it, I live in a Mm -hmm. town with 29,000 people. If... If ten people had a heart attack at the same time, you know, I, we have we have three ambulances that run. They're going to get used up, so we we got to get ambulances from other towns. So in a disaster, imagine that if you have a thousand people call for help, you're going to be on your own for a while. I mean, we're doing everything we can to get to you to help you, but that's why it's so important to take responsibility for your own public safety um, in these disaster situations and be prepared. And again, ready.gov is a great place to start so you can get information on, on, on what you need. Thank you for okay. that wonderful question, Liv. I know it will help all the listeners uh, have a public safety aware preparedness lifestyle ahead going forward as well. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much again. Great interview. Thank you, Liz. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's KASHenry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to get it just right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Henry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. You are joining the show on public safety, and our guest today is Chief Gilgenberg, 
welcome back to the show. Uh, Thank you. It looks like we have a caller, David. We have a caller from uh, Reno, Nevada. Joe, are you on the line? Hey, Cass. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Joe, you have a question for us? Go ahead. Okay, so I've got a question for David here. So, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, we get told that we can't do something or an idea we have gets shot down that'll help the department or community because we don't have chief in our title. And I think most people would recognize that leadership comes from everywhere and anybody can be a leader, but um, how does a person who's motivated and educated break this chief barrier to improve the department's, uh, you know, to improve their community presence, to improve the department? How How do you break that barrier when you don't have that chief in your title? Okay, you know what, you made a really good point about, you know, anybody could be a leader because being a boss, they're not the only people that are leaders. Everyone, like you said, that which was excellent, is everyone's a leader, and that's you lead down, you lead up. So I'm assuming that you're, you're in the fire service and you're – the, the example is is you're, you're trying to get something done and you're just not getting anywhere with the chief. Yeah, well, and yeah, basic, basically, uh, yeah, you're trying to get stuff done, but, you know, you don't have chief in your title, so you don't have, uh, you can't get people to do things because you can't tell me what to do, you're not a chief, or, uh, well, that's for the chief officers, not for you line staff, so... Well, what, I, what I try to do, because this is that that happens everywhere, and it's very common. I start with with just trying to get buy-in to the bosses, to the people, my my superiors. You make sure that the people you work with are on board, and 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 you can get them to buy into what you're trying to do. And then you have to get it up to the bosses, because without the bosses, without the your your upper management support, you're never going to get anywhere. I could appreciate that. So how do we get them to buy in? Um, one thing that I absolutely love from my education, and, and Cash, you were my professor, is is this book called The People Code. Um, and in this book, it teaches you how to understand the different personality types. And I, I, I really do still use this. I, if I have somebody I'm trying to get through to, I first have to learn who he is and how he works, and then hopefully I can, I can get him to buy in, him or her, again, pardon me, um, get them to buy in to, to what I'm trying to do. And first make sure what you're trying to do is, 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 is a great idea. It is in the best interest of everybody, and I'm sure it is. And then you have to sell that, try to get through to them. And if you're still struggling, um, please be patient because this is where you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt your organization and everyone's going to start button heads. You have to know when to be patient and back off. Do everything you can to stay out of trouble, but get what you're looking for done. If you can't, well, guess what? This has happened to me. I put this on my bucket list and I said to myself, if I am ever in the position to be in charge of an organization and make a difference. This is something I'm not going to let happen. This is something that I'm going to do. So, and that actually, I got to do that. I was lucky enough. I stayed patient. I kept myself out of trouble. I didn't push too hard. Um, and then once I was able to do that, I, I made chief, and I was able to change the things I wanted to change. But there are still other things that I was able to, to lead up, if you will, to, to get them to buy into these ideas and and. And next thing you know, they let you run with it, and it just keeps rolling from there. But if it doesn't, you just got to be patient. Does that does that work? 
Yeah, I, I, I like your uh, underlying the point that being patient is important, and it reminds me of the ebbs and flows of water. No matter how big a mountain is, no matter how big a rock is, it's a euphemism for personalities, the consistent, persistent water and ebbing and flowing of the gentle water can turn a mountain into a rock and rock into pebbles and pebbles into sand. And it is that patience, it's that consistency and that ebb and flow that is going to help us break through barriers, not right away, but over time. And leaders instinctively know that leading from the middle is necessary and how to lead from the middle is through those ebbs and flows. So I appreciate your thoughtful answer and Joe for such a wonderful question. Absolutely. Thank you, Joe. Thank, Thank you. you. Incidentally, Cass, um, mm-hmm. I, I analyze myself all the time and, and my people code is I'm a red personality. I'm a type A personality. So I'm very strong willed and bullheaded and I struggle with patience. <laughs> so I have I to know. constantly, I have to constantly look at myself and say, relax and, and, and be patient. And that's, that's a really important thing is recognizing who you are, not just who you're dealing with. Make sure you know who you are, too. Yes, and it is rule number one for emotional intelligence, right? Self-awareness is number one. Then awareness of everybody else around you is step number two. And then how to bring the two together to make social progress and do good for the community at large is the third step. And third step cannot happen if we don't have step one and two. So that is a wonderful point you make in being self-aware. Nothing is as important as first being self-aware. And bosses who are not self-aware never become true leaders because nobody wakes up and says, I'm going to follow that person. You're never a leader unless everybody volunteers to follow you every day, right? It's, yep. I can't give myself a title. It's something, a privilege that the people give us. So I appreciate the point you're making and truly, truly appreciate the self-awareness component you just surfaced. I carry the leader card in my wallet from the first day of class that you gave it to us, Professor. I, I am so glad. And I do know you have a list that you want to accomplish. So I want to move over to some of those elements that you always carried in your list of things you were going to accomplish when you become chief. And I'm going to pivot to the financial side of the conversation, right? So public safety is, after all, a taxpayer-funded public profession. And the service includes firefighting, emergency medical service, homeland security, and other kinds of rescues. Things that the police department doesn't take care of naturally falls into the firehouse umbrella because it has over the years I have seen it expand and expand and expand you're being asked to do more at a time where your funding is the least and how do you see having to deal with the demand on your services when the funding for the services are the lowest and how do you then shift the prevention as well as manage all the incidents um, well, yeah, this couldn't be truer, and that's all across America, and I dare I yes. say the world for that matter. Like you said, there's lower funding, there's there's less employees, there's less you know first responders, and we have to do more. Our calls, our emergencies are going up, and, and we mm-hmm. still have to mitigate these things. We do not have the luxury of saying, oh, we can't do it, call somebody else. No, we're it. Somebody calls 911, we have to do that. So we definitely have to do more 
for less, and we have to give our community, I have to give my boss, my mayor, we have to give them um, uh, more bang for their buck, if you will. And what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Well, well, firemen and paramedics, we don't just put the blue stuff on the red stuff, you know, the water on the fire. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're responsible for medical emergencies, for mitigating hazardous materials incidents, technical rescue incidents, um, which are, you know, some rescuing somebody from a water tower, somebody in a deep tunnel, all a, a, a collapsed building, um, you know, it, environmental and man-made disasters. Now we're even dealing with active shooter incidents. We have to work and partner with our police, law enforcement. So as, as smaller departments, we have don't have all the resources as some bigger metropolitan departments. We have to make sure that I train. I make sure these guys are trained, that they, they know everything, absolutely everything they can possibly know to deal with um, whatever they come at it. We have to be jacks of all trades, and we have to constantly mm-hmm. strive to be the master of all of them as well. We can't just say jack of all trades, master of none. No, we, we have to be able to do all that as well. And, and the only way to do this is by partnering with our, our neighboring fire departments. I mean, that goes along with getting more bang for your buck. I mean, it's not just my department that serves my community. Um, my neighbors around us mm-hmm. serve my community, and we serve their communities. So, and, and that includes the police departments, public works. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we're lucky enough to have in this area Cook County Department of Homeland Security. That's a great resource. They do a lot for preparedness and mitigating emergencies. It, we'd be foolish not to partner with them as well. I mean, you just you have to you have to get together with your, your, your shareholders on this and, mm-hmm. and, and get some more help. So the stakeholder community truly expands beyond your immediate community. There are reciprocities you collaborate with, as well as that brings up another situation where it's not just all these professionals who are taxpayer funded and providing services in your community and the neighboring community, but as taxpayer citizens also have a responsibility to be responsible citizens and put their preventative uh, public safety first. So for example, in the winter time, don't hang your wet clothes on a um, heating coil, right? Just because it's a quick way to dry your clothes don't put a live, uh, a real Christmas tree next to a fire hazard. Those kind of things, as well as when people abuse drugs, prescription drugs, or people create situations where the demands on the community, uh, public safety is high, then we're actually wasting taxpayer money on things that could be avoided if it's a choice that people could have avoided. Yes, absolutely. I uh, I have a story about that as well. Go ahead. <laughs> um, Go ahead. I when somebody asks uh, if I get a group of people, I, I you know what do we do to stay safe in our homes? I tell them the first thing you should do is ask your kids <laughs> what they learned in school from the firefighters and the police officers. We start mm-hmm. teaching the members of our community when they're in preschool and in kindergarten that because we want them to be uh, to 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 be safe and to learn these things and not to prevent, you know, a fire, to prevent an injury uh, or to prevent drugs and crime. So we start when they're young and we teach them all the way through high school in some instances. So these kids know what to do. And us parents need to make sure that we're not so wrapped up in our lives that we don't engage our kids. And especially something like this, what did they teach you? What, what should we be doing around here? And, and, mm-hmm. and all you parents out there that are listening, uh, 
talk to your kids, talk to your grandkids, ask them, and I guarantee you, you will learn something, and you will change something about the way you do things in your house. It's, it's a great place to start. Um, the stop, drop, and, and roll isn't for little kids. I have more adults run when they catch on fire from a, a, a lawnmower accident, and then they, you know, the they get gasoline uh-huh. on them and poof, then they start running. Well, we teach kids this, but we don't teach adults. So hopefully they can learn this from the kids, and that's how they can learn about being proactive and preventative in their in their, their own homes. That is such an excellent point. I want to continue that conversation as soon as we come back from the break. So please hold on to that, Dr. David. <laughs> Build a better business, achieve that goal, make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You're listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to get it just right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Henry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. You're joining the final segment of our show on public safety. Welcome back to the show, Chief Gilkerberg. Hi, thank so, you. So continuing on the thought you had, you mentioned the importance of talking to the children about what they learned in school about public safety. And I have watched so many child-parent conversation, and this is how it goes. 
the parent comes home from work and says, how is school? And the kid says, fine. And that's the end of that conversation, right? And then I hear parents complain about that's all he or she tells me. And I always ask them then, if you don't want that answer, why don't you ask a different question? And I loved the way you phrased that question. What did you learn about public safety today? Or what did you learn about any specific subject? It makes two things happen. One, it creates a moment for the parent-child conversation, but it also creates a teachable, learnable moment in reverse because in the modern world, we also have to learn from every generation around us. It's not a older people teaching younger people. We have to learn from the younger ones too. It's important for work. It's important in the family, and it brings the whole unit together. And I truly, truly appreciate you making that point. Yes, if we if we think we're know-it-alls in any setting, whether it's at work, at home, with our families, you know, we're we're making a mistake. So yes, we we have to be open to learn from anybody and everybody. Yes, very true. So as we go through our final segment, I want to touch on a couple of very very important issues I know would be top of mind to our audience. What what you hold in the palm of your hands when people give you the public trust is the well-being of the communities you serve. And that responsibility comes with great amount of stewardship. And I use the word stewardship with very, very precise thoughtfulness in my mind because you are the steward of the public safety for your entire community, whether they live there, whether they work there, or they're passing through there. What does successful leadership in public safety look like from your vantage point, knowing that you hold this stewardship that is so sacred? Well, I first you have to recognize it, and and and, and that only comes from being self-reflective. Um, and I, I do take my job very seriously. Um, I recognize that we, we have a lot of work to do. Um, getting through to... Uh, through as many people as you can. Um, for me, it, it's nerve-wracking to talk uh, in front of a group of, of school children, in front of a group of adults, but I have to take myself out of that comfort zone and force myself to, to get out there and talk to them, to educate, and to, to, to show them we're there for them, and just staying on that and not being stagnant. I, I, I really believe that, and I, I try to teach that to my, my firefighters, and I send them out as well. I, I can see that, and I have seen the kind of work you and the other fire chiefs do in the community, and you also then partner with each other and help each other's teams as well. So as you proceed in developing and grooming the next generation of firefighters, what are some of the things young people should know if they want to enter the profession? What would be, what type of personalities should enter the profession, and what should they go about collecting in their toolkit to be successful in this profession of public safety? Oh, that's great. Uh, well, the first thing is it, any personality can do this. It's what's in your heart. Uh, whether you're a, a bullheaded red personality like me or you're a blue caring person, uh, what kind of person are you? You have to say, why do you want to do this? What is motivating you to want to do this? First and foremost, know why you want to do it, and that's going to help mm-hmm. drive you to get there. 
and you, and you should be doing it for the right reasons. You're certainly not going to be a public servant because you want to be rich. That's not That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it for the money, you should look elsewhere. Um, to, to be a servant, you got to want to help people, like I said before, no matter what. Um, education is key. No matter if you're in high school, listen to this, you have to get good grades. You have to know math. You have to know science. It's, uh, it, this, this profession is, it, education is taking more and more of a role in it. What started out to just be some tough guys running into a burning building. There is a, a lot of technology and a lot of information and education that's required. So start from your heart, why you're doing it. And then call your local fire department. I, Call me. You can find me on the uh, my my email address on on, on the web page here. And I, I counsel kids all the time and young adults on how they can be successful. How can they get to the place that they want to be? Uh, starting with community college and and volunteering is such an important thing. There's so many volunteering opportunities that that are out there that people don't take advantage of. And you know when mm-hmm. we're doing more with less, like you said before, we we depend on people to volunteer. And it's not all volunteer. You get paid a small amount of money, but uh, we depend on people to do that. So that's a way to get your foot in the door as well to to yeah. getting into mm-hmm. public safety. And I, I'm glad you mentioned about education because education continues even after you join the fire service because now you have to have an undergraduate degree. There are master's degrees offered. You can go all the way to a PhD in public safety and homeland security. So it is no longer purely a blue-collar job. It is evolving into a white-collar job with a lot of intellect involved in it as much as it's a brain and a bronze job as opposed to just the bronze as people used to think of it in the past. So I'm glad yes, you brought and for up what, the If I may, aspect. real quick, Cass, because I do say guy a lot and these tough guys, and this is – Public safety, firemen, policemen, firefighters, police officers. This is for men and women. This is for everybody. This isn't just for the tough guys, the, the way I talk. Again, I want to make myself clear that this is this is for everybody, and everybody can follow this dream and be successful, and I, I see that all the time. Wonderful, wonderful. And, David, as we are bringing this show to a close, because, God, I can't believe our time is ticking very fast here, what are the final thoughts you want to leave with our audience and how can they best reach you or your fire department or any information about Burbank? If you can sum that up in a minute for us before we go into close, I would so appreciate it. Well, well, I could be reached at my email address, which is dgilgenberg at burbankil.gov. Um, D-G-I-L-G-E-N-B-E-R-G at B-U-R-B-A-N-K dot G-O-V. Um, I, I'd just like to say, for those working in public service or those working in any aspect, if, if you want to be a leader, be a leader. Don't just be a boss. Be a boss. Be a leader for the right reasons. If, you, if, if, you ha- if it's not right in your heart, to, to want to lead somebody, then, and then you shouldn't be pursuing that. Um, make, make sure it's for the right reasons. And, and I just ask people to take themselves out of their comfort zones and, and try to really challenge yourself. Unless you think you've reached your self-actualization, like, like you mentioned earlier with Maslow, mm-hmm. you really need to challenge yourself. So, um, Beautifully follow said. Your heart Beautifully and, said. Thank you so very much, David. It has been such an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. And thank you for your continued service. We appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me, Cass. 
Welcome. And back turning back to our audience, thank you so much for spending another hour with me as we explore how you can get it just right as you explore your options for public safety and you build a community worthy of your largest investment. As you go over your life choices and go through life this week, just remember every opportunity that you have for human interaction is an opportunity for our transformation. So let's go out there, transform lives, and don't forget to start with your own. Thank you for tuning in to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, how to get it just right. Please join Dr. Cass Henry again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another edition of the program. We'll see you then.